Hello, and welcome to The Kink Perspective. My name's Chris. I'm a psychotherapist and consultant. On today's show, I initially was supposed to have two people on, uh, Bound Ashley and Semina Princess. However, due to some terrible logistics on my part and not coordinating proper time zones, um, Bound Ashley will not be joining me today. Um, I will coordinate in a part two episode with her. So today I am going to be having the other side of a conversation that I had two weeks ago with Mr. Tinker Train about rope bondage. And during that conversation, there was a lot of questions that started coming up that he wasn't able to answer, not because he's not capable, but because it's another side of that life that's not from a dominance perspective or a tops perspective. And that is what's going on with the person that we're tying. So I reached out into the community and said, you know, I need to speak to some rope bunnies. Uh, got some really great uh, replies. Um, found some, I found a couple of wonderful rope bottoms. Had some great conversations already this past week and decided, you know, finally I got my coordination skills going and have hooked up today to have a sit down conversation with, uh, I'm going to mispronounce your name already because it's left my mind. Uh, Semina Princess Begs. Begs? Beige. 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 My God. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, English okay. is sometimes <laughs> English is sometimes my first language. So <laughs> thank you for spending your morning with me, chatting away about, I'm going to assume, one of your favorite topics. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I'd kind of like to know... What what's the appeal? How did you first get started in rope? What was the appeal inside of our vast community that rope kind of you looked at it and said, "That's it. That's for me." Um, definitely. When I first started out on FetLife, there's so many pictures always on your you know on your feed from all these people that are doing these amazing suspensions, and it looks so so cool and. But also locally, we've got a huge, huge rope scene here in Melbourne, and it's just very popular. It's it's a part of the culture, and so I was just naturally drawn to that and wanted to be a part of it. I knew that it would be something I would enjoy because I used to do gymnastics and yoga when I was a lot younger, and I kind of felt like I'd be able to um, use that um, in being able to do rope as well. So, um, So I decided I would... I was dating somebody at the time and I asked them if they'd be interested in like starting to do rope together. Um, they weren't that interested. So I said, all right, well, I'll go out and find people who would be interested in doing that with me. Right. And so I um, decided I'd go to a rope jam and I was at my friend's birthday party and I was chatting with this, this guy there who I'd seen around a few times and um and I said, oh, you know, going to the jam tomorrow. And he said, oh, I'll be there as well. And so I went to this jam and there was only like a handful of people there. It was literally like four people. It was the smallest jam I've ever seen. Um, but it was the first jam I'd ever been to. And him and I did rope that day. And then um, then he started inviting me to classes to, to model for his classes and um, just went from there. And we just kept doing rope every fortnight together and then sometimes every week and yeah, so that's how I got into the rope. Mm. Did that evolution for you? I mean, did it just con- did it just continue as far as what you were learning in with him or in classes, or did you start, you know, like others going out and getting books or looking stuff up online? Like, how much? Not that I don't want it to say like it sounds like it's consuming your life, but how much did you want it to be a part of your life? Um, quite a lot, actually. Uh, it became, I guess you could say, when people say, what do you do as a hobby? This would be what I consider my hobby. It's what I, I do in my spare time. I, I like to get tired. I like to attend classes. I like to go to munches. Um, you know, I like to go to discussions, like I'm going to one this afternoon, all sorts of things. So yeah, and all my friends are from the rope community pretty much. And it just becomes a part of your life, really. Right. For me. I, um, 
I saw in when you first contacted me, I saw obviously your, your profile photo and I saw the string. Do you intermix other styles of play when you're doing rope or is rope your primary? Um, I definitely am a masochist. So I do enjoy all sorts of, um, well, masochist leaning play. Uh, I like power dynamics and things like that. So I really enjoy um, being overpowered. Um, okay. So, yeah, in rope, I've, I really do enjoy a bit of impact as well. Um, but the photo you're referring to was actually needle play. So, yeah, I do enjoy all aspects of, of different play, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess obviously within that photo, artistically stunning, it, especially I, I tend to find black and white much more empowering and emotional because, you know, you we have the, the contrast of the light and the dark and it's your mind trying to interpret what you're seeing. Um, mm, I agree. Yeah, so I can uh, – needle play is not – being a sadist myself, needle play is not in my range. I had a wonderful conversation with somebody a few months back um, who does this in South Africa and describing similar things. And I've seen photography with needle point and wings and people – and it's it's stunning um, and it's, evo it's invoking um, as well. The, and I can't imagine the emotional process one goes through because you're not talking, there's not just a couple of needles in that particular photo. There's looks like to be well over a hundred. Mm. Yeah. I think it, I can't remember exactly. I think it was 110 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. good. It was a journey. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's something definitely different. I think inside of our world, we, as we start going down the proverbial rabbit hole, of the community, we start opening our, as we figure out what our path is, we start opening ourselves up to more things that mm. may be of interest and definitely shy away from the things that aren't of interest. Um, was the person you first started your rope with the person you ended up modeling for and doing some classes with, is that a person you continued with today or is that kind of have oh, you evolved off? Um it's really interesting how that relationship developed. Actually, I would consider him my partner now. Um, so, you know, like we're in a romantic relationship that's, that came about because of rope. So yeah, it's the, yeah, it's um, yeah. And I think that can often happen with rope too. You, because you're in these spaces where you're, it's quite intimate. It, it can be very, um, you know, you're sharing this space together and, and there's a lot of trust that goes into that too from both sides. So when you're doing it regularly and you connect with each other outside of rope too, it's sort of inevitable that that sort of relationship can develop, I think, for a lot of people. So mm. it's something, you know, there's something there you mentioned and I want to, it's kind of like, I feel like I'm doing a therapy session now. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something that you mentioned there, you're talking about intimacy. You know, mm. and a lot of people hear intimacy, you know, they're going to flip right away and they're going to go, oh, okay, sex. Well, intimacy isn't sex. Intimacy is about that deep connection that we're starting to feel, those intimate feelings inside of us that both parties are feeling when we're kind of on the same wavelength. How does that play out or how did that play out for you more so when you start, first started feeling this with him? Oh, um, hmm. I think it was quite, um, I think it's quite early in the piece. Maybe it's not as much about um, rope generally. I mean, it's not going to happen with everybody, but sure. for him, for him particularly, we just have a very, um, a very good connection right from the get go. So um, I, I think it was quite early on in, I, I would say we'd only been tying together like, oh, pretty much straight away, I would say. So. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a rope at first sight type of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, quite, yeah. It took me by surprise. I would say, yeah, it'd been a, maybe a month in and I was like, oh, hold on. What's going yeah, on here? Kind of, kind of like you here a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> kind, of, kind of sweet on you. It's, I mean, it's interesting. And I, I'm asking this question, um, actually wasn't even one of the ones I asked you, but it just kind of brought me to that because – that's the point of all of our different connections throughout this community. What's bringing us all together. You know, when I had the conversation a couple of weeks ago, um, Mr. Tinker trains, uh, response was similar, you know, with some of his partners, it's just straightforward tying and, and the process and with mm. others, it's 
a bit more primal or intimate or caring. And it, we, the connections we have are obviously going to be different with each person. Um, so, but it's interesting because you'd mentioned that and I'm like, oh, okay, you went, there was an emotional side component first. Has that deepened both of your love for rope together because you have more of an intimate connection now and a romantic connection? That is such an interesting question. And I'm really glad you asked it actually, because um, it's something I've thought about a lot and haven't ever said it out loud. I personally, from my point of view, I mean, he might have a different point of view, but for me personally, I feel like uh, when we first started out doing rope, he would only do floor rope. And I'm not sure whether um, it might have been a confidence thing that he hadn't, um, like he'd been doing it for six years, but had not got to a point where he was like confident, I suppose, to suspend. But I think because him and I like started doing regular classes together and we were doing rope together so regularly, um, his skill levels just sort of um, like his confidence met his skill levels and he started to push himself into doing suspension and then so his skills um you know like i've watched him in the last year and a bit that we've been seeing each other he's personally i think one of the best riggers in town now you know and maybe i've got a biased opinion but i've just watched his his rope um skills just exceed like go up and up and up all the time they don't stop and he puts so much not just with me like he goes and puts so many hours into it right. every week with lots of other people too. But um, also for me though, like because I do tie with him like every week, um, I definitely would credit my skills as a rope bottom because of the time that we've put in it together. So yeah, I think we've both we've both excelled like that way. Yeah, in this partnership. Well, so. what you what your boat what your explaining here is probably something that I harp on. I think about 95% of the time you can catch the word in my writing and I'm talking about effort. And that's mm. exactly what you're talking about is putting this, you have passion. So you passion and drive and love for what you're doing inside of our community. And then you, you know, you and him both combined separately, individually are going on and putting in all this effort to enhance your skills to push yourselves to those next levels of what you're doing. And it's, it's quite, it's not, I don't want to say it's rare within the community, but in a place like FetLife, which to me is not the greatest representation or even fetish.com or a couple of other social media places, not that I'm dogging the, those places, but I think it's the people that come there. They're apt for what they believe the lifestyle is, is more, I would say is congruently runs with the view of 50 shades of stupid. And that's the unfortunate <laughs> part. You know, it's, yeah. I've met wonderful people from all over from Australia, Singapore, the United States. Uh, well, when you sit down and, and I start having conversations with people, you can hear this passion. It's the same passion I'm hearing in your voice. And mm. then that passion equates into the effort of how much drive they're willing to do. And yeah. it's really, you know, that's impressive to me, especially for someone being in for so long that, you know, I don't mentor anymore because a lot of, well, I'm busy. That's one, but two, I don't see the effort from anybody who wants to be mentored. So, mm. um, and what do, do you two, speaking of that, do you two both hold mentors or is it just more of a class type situation that you go to and there's somebody who's teaching you? Um, personally for me, I, um, I go to classes when I can, not so much these days. Um, but I don't have any mentors, so to speak. Uh, my partner, he has other, um, like people that he go goes to classes with. Um, I don't know if he's got a mentor really, to be honest, but, um, yeah, you look up to people in the community and you know the ones that are respectful and, and um, that you could, you know, listen to their opinion on things for sure. Yeah. Well, and then you kind of get to the point where I suppose your confidence between you and your this, part, this partner of yours or another partner, you can find yourself in the point where you're starting to demonstrate more and 
now you're no longer the one sitting and learning. You're the one sharing your knowledge. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess so. Um, I mean, I still feel a little bit of imposter syndrome with that because I still feel like I'm quite new. I've only been doing this since April last year. Um, and so that's quite new in the big scheme of things. So, um, but I, I certainly think that I've put in enough hours and enough ties to, um, be able to give an opinion and, you know, um, safety points and things like that. So if, if somebody were to ask me for advice, I would certainly be, be happy to give it. Yeah. And I think that's important because we all need, especially when we're new, we need, we're going to have a lot of questions. Everybody has questions. Mm. And, I think it's important if we can have people we can turn to who at least have some experience and are constantly working or honing their craft that we can go, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I know you're busy. Can Do you mind if I ask you a question? And I think it's important mm. for us to contribute back to the community to, I think that's what the sense of community is in the first place, that it's a give and take. Yeah. Um, yeah. What does it look like? Do you guys, do you, with any of your partners or even if you self-tie, do you go through any type of a ritual before that you find is quite empowering for yourself? Um, sort of the way that we would start a rope scene um, with me and my partner um, would be that they are getting the ring set up and the beaners and the rope laid out and all that sort of thing. I would normally be doing my stretches and yep. just That's starting the first to two zone. hours, by the way, for those who don't know. <laughs> Maybe three. <laughs> By then, I've done my impact scene. I've already come in my aftercare and probably going home. Well, they're still fucking around with rope. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you know, I've had that. That's the general. Yeah. Yeah. People feel that we take a time. But anyway, um, so yeah, no, doing my stretches. And then normally we'd stop standing, take a deep breath, look at each other, have a kiss and a hug, and then start our scene. So that's sort of how we begin normally. Do you do you have any prerequisites before you get into a, a rope scene? Things that you know, my bottle of water have got to be here, and here's my chocolate bar, or my bag of potato chips, or whatever. Or you know, um, you've checked the rope, I've checked the rope, you're checking it again. Where you know, there's a triple check, pro- whatever. Do you have anything like that before you get into a scene? Mm, I think I'm pretty low maintenance, actually. Um, uh, if it's someone I haven't tied with often, or if it's the first time I've tied with somebody, I would always double check they've got their shears because I don't need to check that with my partner. I trust 100% they've always got them. So, um, But with someone I don't know, I would make sure that they've got their shears nearby, um, you know, and just making sure, you know, doing the risk profile checks and negotiations before we start and all that sort of thing. So... But no prerequisites, no particular props or anything I need, no. So for those that may not understand, I mean, I you know, even though not my world, I get why. When you're talking about shears, can you elaborate why you would want to have a pair handy? Oh, 100%. Um, that's one of the most important things is to make sure that if the rope needs to be cut. You've got a reliable tool that you're going to be able to cut that rope with. So if something's going wrong you need to be able to get out of that so more for mitigating safety and you know if something is like an oh shit moment um yeah and we need that, yeah yeah and it's i think it's important and i think while i'm pretty sure most people are going to understand what it's for to kind of emphasize that point because mm. you know if you're thinking about being suspended and tied i think most people don't really understand Obviously, you know, there's anatomy involved, pinching of nerves, hitting uh, hitting an artery, tying near an artery, um, and all of that process. Did, yeah. Did this, has this world for you made you very, major awareness of your own anatomy grow? Oh, it has. Yeah, it really has. Um, before I even began doing rope, I wasn't aware of nerve potential nerve damage and things like that. Um, it was lucky that when I first started going to rope jams and things like that, that I met somebody who was really responsible to include that in a, in the negotiation talk before starting to do rope. Like, are you aware of, 
of nerve damage and do you know about these things? And I kind of feel a lot of rope bottoms are not aware of that when they start to get out into the community. And that responsibility can sometimes fall on the top to make sure that they are asking those questions of the rope bottom before they begin playing with someone, I feel. Right. It's not to say that it's their responsibility 100%, but it's just, I think, really important for them to be like, well, hey, um, do you know about this? Okay, well, here's a quick rundown uh, for further information. I feel like maybe, you know, encouraging bottoms to attend classes and things like that too. It's not the top's responsibility, but it's certainly um, – important for them to try and make sure that bottoms are aware of it as well. Sure. I think, I, I mean, you bring in a point and it's kind of something that I've, I'm going to bring in the counterpoint to that. It's something mm. that I argue within the lifestyle. If we place too much responsibility on anyone and I'll, I'll say mm. it's on either side of the slash or yeah. for those that are just whatever position they choose to be. Um, mm. If we place it too much on one person and we're expecting, I tend to call it the baby bird syndrome where we need to be mouth fed every bit mm. of information and we're not learning anything independently. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the process I went through when I used to train submissives long ago. Here is some information. Um, I'll check in with you during the week. This is what I want you to go and learn about. And it needs to be independent. Mm. It can't just be for me because then it's one-sided and there's no yeah. growth. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, somebody's going to give me the responsibility and um, autonomy over them, that it is important mm -hmm. that I'm checking with them and realize what's going on. But I, you know, yeah. I think for me too, we all got to be at a similar level. Is that something, have you ever done a tie with somebody who wasn't at your skill level? Oh, yeah. Um yeah, I had a friend uh, who who had done a few classes but felt they were nowhere near, you know, um, any level to be able to play with somebody. Right. And I encouraged her. I was like, no, no, come on, just show me what you got. Just, just let's just muck around. Just show me. And um, so we did. And it was just really basic, of course. And But it was nice. I enjoyed it. It was lovely. And I gave her really good encouragement and hopefully she took that away and was able to feel a bit more confident to do another scene with someone else another time. So yeah, I, def I definitely will play with people who, um, I'm not going to do suspensions with somebody that I'm not confident in, no right. way, but um, with basic rope where there's um, a minimal risk, of course there's always a risk, but it's not going to be death. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's fine. At least we hope it's not going to be. I mean, the, the well, reality with yeah. anything we do... Just because when we never true. know, yeah, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I mm. don't want to take it lightheartedly. I, I know even after 25 years, I keep, I still go and attend stuff because I'm still learning. I'll, I'll learn from anybody that's got something new to show me and mm. whether I find it interesting or not, that's a different story. But if yeah. it captures my attention, um, I'm definitely going to be, oh my God, how did you do this? Where did you learn? You know, what can, how, did, how many things did you read or practice on and, kind of go yeah. from there um yeah so yeah it's it's have you what other when you're doing ties and whatnot do you incorporate as through even through this if you get into the suspension or just the full work do you start incorporating a lot of impact scenes or do you primarily just focus on the rope and the tie that takes 29 hours to do <laughs> oh, normally it's just the focus of the 29 hours of rope. Um, but definitely, uh, yeah, impact can be thrown in there sometimes too. That's always fun. Might be um, a bite here or there or a bit of a smack on the butt or whatever. It's not the main thing normally. It's just sort of a little side, a bit of garnish, I suppose you call it. Yeah. Do you, before you're going to enter, obviously with a couple, certain partners, do you have a lot more experience and a lot more comfortability with, do you find you need to or do you have a a ritual or something you do to get yourself psychologically ready before you enter the scene um yeah i do start to go inward a little bit while waiting for for the top to get their things ready i'm standing there stretching as i mentioned before but while i'm doing that i'm starting to block out what's happening around me and I'm just going 
sort of starting almost a meditation in a way. Okay. Um, and I'm focusing on my breath and I'm just like starting to get into a space um, at that point. Yeah. It's just really just going inward. What is that for some people that for them that might even be, you know, they start to feel it, but they, I don't want, you know, so they can understand how normal that might look. What does that look like for you when that starts to happen to you? I think people will notice me no longer making any eye contact with anybody. Um, normally looking down, um, not looking around up or anything else, just sort of in a downward um, eye line. And it, they'll just be seeing me rolling my shoulders and like just sort of starting to sway a little bit and wriggle slowly. Um, just feeling into my body. So it's all very much, um, I'm not looking around me anymore. The room's not there. It's just me on the mat and waiting for my partner to be ready. So do you find like a sense of calm starts come rushing over you? Yeah. Is there anxiety? Nope. Nope. It's a really still feeling. It's, um, it's kind of relaxing in a way. Um, it's, the best way I could describe it or compare it to is sort of like meditation, really. It's kind of, yeah, um, yeah. That's probably the closest thing I'd be able to. No, I mean that 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 definitely makes a lot of sense. I know, you know, there was a question that I put out to the both of you when I started thinking about this topic, and and so it's one that I asked Mister Tinkertrain a couple of weeks back about, and this is kind of what then led me to where we are today. Uh, and that's, is there a catharsis for you when you're being bound, a release? Do you mm -hmm. find yourself, or maybe a better way to, to really describe this is, do you find you're more free when you're constrained, as odd as that may sound? Nope, it's completely spot on. I've described it that way myself many times. Um, yeah, uh, it, it creates a stillness. So it is cathartic it is a release um it's because when life is so busy all the time and there's so much going on and your mind doesn't stop for me personally i feel like i'm constantly there's chitter chatter in my mind all the time but when i get into rope and i'm in the rope space um it's quiet all i'm thinking about is the exact moment that i'm in the exact it's all just, it's very mindful. It's, it's completely immersive and nothing else exists in that, in that time. So it just makes my mind go still. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would, I would say that. What do you find, you know, once the tie is over or you're, now you're lifted and suspended or you, you know, you're fully 18 and a half hours later, you're finally done tying and you're on the floor. <laughs> what at that point, do you start feeling what, you know, what is running? If anything is running through your mind, are you, would it, do you describe it as you're slipping into that subspace or does something more emotionally start to transform inside of you? I'm very, kind of, that's, that's the question that I couldn't, you know, obviously I can't get a top to answer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So after having been in that real state of stillness where, Normally the rope I do is very, very um, hard, uh, I, hard play, I suppose, and um, quite painful for some people. Um, painful for me, but it's good for me. Um, so yeah, you go through that in, entire experience of being completely immersed and pushed to your limits that you feel I couldn't possibly hold in this rope for much longer. Um, and then you get released down onto the ground and it's, complete relief it's uh it's one of the best feelings i don't know what, what feels better being up in up in the rope or coming down off the rope so it's um i i kind of feel like the release is best though coming down and it's complete uh i say um almost euphoria it's yeah uh, it's the best feeling i love it I'm ecstatic when I come out of the rope, when I touch the ground again. Are you 
are you cognizant when you're coming out or are you floating? Uh, floating, still floating, but it's still like you're starting to come out of that and you're feeling so grateful to touch the ground again. And then the ropes are slowly coming off. And so after the initial touchdown, which is like, oh, thank God I'm on the ground. I feel so good. Um, and then it's uh, incremental release, relief as the rope slowly unbounds off the off the and you're always in an awkward position it's never sure. comfortable right. so being released from that slowly is in itself its own little journey and it's it's really yeah it's cool so that's interesting which that'll kind of lead me to my next question what then do you have because not everybody for those who you know I know this could be a shock to everybody. Not everybody is into aftercare. It's a negotiated mm. thing for those of you who are not, you know, who don't have a lot of experience. Aftercare is not a given because not everybody wants it or not everybody does it. But mm. yeah, it's true. It's as much as a yeah. surprise. I there was a submissive I met a few years back, and um, while she identified as a submissive, the one thing that she didn't ever want was aftercare. She's like, I kind of want to come in, do my scene. Um, part of her negotiations, that was those were her limits, you know, at least oh, for okay. about the first six months. I'm like, okay, cool, fair enough. Um, mm. You know, you may not want it, but even me coming down, I may need it. And she's like, no, I'm fine with that. I don't want it. Okay, but don't want to segue too much. Uh, so what does, if at any point, what's aftercare look for, like for you after a rope scene? Yeah, a comfy couch. <laughs> <laughs> And sitting and chatting, that's that's it. I don't need much more. Um, I doesn't matter if I've had an impact scene or if I've done a hardcore rope scene or if it's been just a really um, sensual, easygoing, playful floor rope. Um, I just like to sit down with that person that I've shared that experience with. We don't need to hug. I'm not. I'm not really big on affection, to be honest, especially if it's not someone I don't know well. Right. Um, uh, and just sit on the couch chatting and debriefing. If if that, we don't even need to talk about the scene. We can just talk about everything else. Have a cup of tea, maybe, depending where we are. So, but yeah, the the probably a big biggest prerequisite you did ask me earlier, and I probably neglected to say a, a comfy couch, somewhere comfy to sit afterwards is pretty important. Uh, I can imagine. I mean, are is it you or if is it you or your or your partner at the time or maybe even you're like no. Are you working, like massaging out your muscles at this point while you're sitting there? Because obviously nah. being bound in these uncomfortably, you know, bendy positions and mm. being held like that, that's got to be stressful. I mean, it's going to be stressful on the joints no matter what. Mm. Yeah, I might maybe do a few shoulder rotations and try and get the them, you know, feeling good again. But it doesn't really need too much, to be honest. They just happen, happens on its own. Interesting. Hmm. And I know what well, we had talked about this, but are you, do you have a lot of, so are you poly, not poly, monogamous? If you don't mind yes, me asking, poly. Poly. Yep, poly. So do all of your connections, if they are all, because obviously I don't know, so we're going to get a little personal here. If they are all tops, are they all rope tops with you or are they each individually something different? And if they are all in the rope world, is there things you do with them that's individual or do you kind of follow a similar pattern? Um, well, I'm actually not um, seeing anybody um, outside of my partner at the moment, but oh, the so people you're lying that I, and you're monogamous. Okay. No, I'm poly, <laughs> but I just, I'm only one partner currently, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, no, but there are other connections that I have. And what I've found is that, Every connection that I develop is normally related with rope um, ever since I've started in the community. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. How does – but do you find that those connections – are they formulaic from the first connection that you currently have or your primary that you currently have? Do they follow a similar pattern or they've all gone down their own path? Well, um, I mean, I connect with these people through rope, yeah. And so then we start catching up outside of rope um, and 
the core of it is because we have that common interest. So I would say, I suppose it follows the same path. Yeah. I kind of think it might be difficult to um, have a partner that's not in the, the rope community just because it's, I mean, we, I, I never say never, but it, it would just seem sort of unbalanced in a way. Oh, so you mean you couldn't just date, you know, or have a partner who was, say, I don't know, um, a sadist? Oh, no. that's not true. No, no. you're right. I definitely, yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely could. Yeah. But, a sadist um... who doesn't like rope. Not that a sadist who despises rope, but just a sadist in general, like who likes impact scenes and electrocutions and water and stuff like that. Or barriers. No, I love those people. Okay. Those people are awesome. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I lie. <laughs> Yeah, because we do exist. There are those, yeah, those, those sadists who just don't <laughs> like rope. Um, no, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, when I learned, I, I did, I learned a lot a couple weeks back. Did you, with your journey thus far in the rope, have the more you dove into the subject, are you now immersing yourself as far as like history and, and, um like its origins or does that not hold much for you in the relevance of rope um you pick it up as you go along i haven't actually gone and read books about it um you google things yeah i mean you google things and you learn about it and you hear about it in classes and stuff like that and the people that i hang out with are those types of people who get into the history and and all that sort of thing but um, I don't, I wouldn't just say I've just gone and read a history book on it. No. <laughs> well, I mean, or yeah, you know, even, even learning from different, I guess, quasi masters or whatever the case may be, or experts in the field. I mean, mm. you know, obviously in, in our world, there's not a lot of, nothing really holds a lot of relevance or, or fact. It's not objective. It's all subjective. Suffice it mm. to say, and to blow the minds of everybody who's going to be listening to this. BDSM is completely subjective. We're making this up as we go along. We have experiences in the past to draw from, but even Mm. rope suspension, that's been drawn from rituals and cultures that are, have existed for thousands of years before us. So it's not like we're doing anything new. Mm. We're just taking it into a more of an erotic cathartic form for ourselves and, you know, and, and evolving it. Um, Mm. but yeah, I was just kind of curious how far, you know, that goes to you. Do you, are there, I know there's different parts to rope Mm. for you. Do you get into like the Kinimbaku? I think it is pronounced. I apologize for mispronouncing that part of it. Um, or is that, how does that play for you? Um, I definitely find I'm a little bit challenged in culture and and Japanese language and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit ignorant. Like, just doesn't stick, to be honest. But in saying that, I if I was to say that the rope that I do, it is um, with people who practice shibari in Kimbaku, um, and and they're not limited to one style they will try all the different styles so um there are um certain communities which own or you know certain schools or classes which only practice one particular style you know but uh the people that i tie with they're not limited to one style they they do all the different different styles which i think is pretty cool right um yeah, I guess, you know, we, again, we're all just attracted to um, what drives us inside of inside of the, the particular kink or the fetish that we are attracted to. Mm-hmm. What is something that you'd like to, you know, if we start looking towards, if you start looking at your future, when I, I always talk to people about in therapy is one thing is, you know, what, are, what are, how does your future look for you? What's your, you know, 30, 60, 90 one-year, five-year plan. Where do you Mm. see that for yourself as far as rope goes? Hmm. I definitely want to continue doing um, as much rope bottoming as what I do. And I would like to, once I feel more as though I I 
have earned the right to be able to help um, like newer people. I would like to become a rope bottom educator or a facilitator in some way to, you know, do things that are helping with rope bottom education. Um, that definitely would be something that I would get a lot of enjoyment and satisfaction from. Um, but also I do want to start learning how to tie as well. And it just takes a lot of time and, and dedication. So it might not it be takes something else for a little I, while. It takes time to tie rope. No. <laughs> Shocking, right? <laughs> Shocking. I thought we did that stuff in like five minutes. What, yeah. As much, and as much as I give you all in this com- in your community a hard time, I do. I will be the first to admit I have seen some things that are exceptionally beautiful um, mm. with the multiple colors of the rope and then the plays against the skin and then however they do the lighting. There is an artistic and intrinsic value to it, mm. and, and I get that. I think for me, someone, uh, I'm just impatient. So um, your average, if, if we're going to be honest here for a minute, if you're going to get into the difference between a suspension and floor work, could you give me an idea of time between oh. the difference? Just to well, kind of maybe emphasize the point that I believe that this takes forever to do. I guess there is no comparison really because it's what you're putting into it. Um, A floor rope, you may only need one rope. You could do a floor scene with just one piece of rope and it's just how you're moving that rope around that other person. Um, And you can do that for as long as you want. You know, you can, you can take as long as you want with that. Um, But of course, if you're doing more seminar with lots of different tricky um, harnesses and things like that, you might need quite a lot of rope and a lot of time to, and it's still going to be the same time as you would use with just one rope. But, um, and then of course, if you're suspending, it's the exact same thing. It's, it's not time dependent. It's just what you're doing with it. Really. You could do a harness in, in two minutes. Like I went to a, a workshop the other week and they have this really quick harness that you could have on in like 20 seconds and you could have somebody up in the air in that such a short space of time. You know what I mean? So there's no time comparison. It's really what you're doing. Do you think that the majority or people that are reluctant to get into rope, I'll even say myself is because we view it as a, as such a time, you know, constraining, activity or, or fetish to get into? I I would agree that perhaps it's overcomplicated sometimes. Um, you can learn the safety basics for rope and a couple of basic ties and you can still have an amazing scene. You don't need to be doing tricky harnesses that are requiring you to do all this complex stuff. I mean, if you want to, absolutely do the education and learn how to do that. But if you are not interested in getting the complicated stuff, you can go to classes and just go to a beginner's level, learn the safety, learn your basic stuff, and still be very adept at creating an amazing rope scene. Do you, depending on where you're at, because I've seen, of course, I've seen, like you, I've seen different imagery um i've you know seen videos of rope i've gone to god knows enough discussions about rope but um are most of the times because i know it's even with i've I've, i'm thinking about one client that started the rope journey early um but they didn't feel comfortable being completely nude is the majority of what you do completely clothed do you or are there intimate times with your partner when you're alone and you're maybe doing a private scene together that you're not, or is it a standard requirement? Um, being nude is absolutely not important. You can do it fully clothed with a beautiful long dress if you really want to. It's going to give the, the rigor the shits because they're going to have to <laughs> get around the dress. But, um, you know, you can wear leggings and a long sleeve shirt. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. Um, but, yeah, to answer your question, uh, I... I used to only wear clothes when I would do rope, but um, I've become much more relaxed and comfortable in myself now, and I'm quite happy to go without a top, but I always like to wear undies. That's it. That's just where I, my cutoff point is. Um, but, of course, if I was at home with my partner, then anything goes because 
as long as I've got my own rope. I don't want to use rope that's been used on other people if I'm not wearing undies. Mm. Well, I mean, interesting. I think it's another, you know, thing that, well, not necessarily a misconception, but even if somebody doesn't know what's an expectation to be mm. out there when they're with the top or they're even unsure what they may want to do. Um, mm. Just put your clothes on if you don't, yeah, don't want to be naked. Because I, <laughs> I don't know how much, like you brought up the point of how much it might interfere with tying or the workarounds. But I mean, I can, again, there's a lot of, do you only do, because I've seen pictures of people going out into, you know, doing, well, I've been a part of scenes where I've, friends of mine have done ties in nature. Mm. Is, have Is that something that you've ever done or wanted mm. to do? Yeah. Um, I would like to get into the bush and do something more like bush based, but um, we do go on urbex adventures. So out into, you know, deserted spaces deserted buildings that sort of thing um yeah getting out into nature is not something i've done that much of that i can think of but definitely want to do more of yeah it's fun yeah i i guess for each you know for each aspect what it's always going to have a different draw and i guess you're always going to want to start pushing yourselves i suppose to the you know to the next level mm. of your skill is there anything yet you have not done in rope that you want to do in rope yeah actually i want to do a snow tie that's what i'd really like um there's been a few times where we've done rope and it's been freezing cold um and it just adds a different element to suffering uh in rope and so i think getting tied in the snow would be like the pinnacle for me in suffer rope so that's definitely something i want to do I, I mean, that's interesting because that was something uh, that Mr. Tinkertring brought up a couple of weeks back when he, for, for his journey, he had found a bondage, a rope bondage book. I can't remember where he was out on vacation and he came across this and this was, you know, these, this rope tie master out of Japan for him, which is his big draw. And it was mm -hmm. obviously some of the earliest stuff that, you know, by today's standards for people on fat would be. You know, they'd be out with pitchforks and, and torches wanting to burn this man down. But it, it was tying a, a you know, a rope person, or a rope bunny, a rope bottom, rope model, whatever, wherever you identify mm. in that range, and then chucking mm. the girl out into the snow. Yeah. And the, you know, the photos are still out there. And, mm. I, you know, after he told me about it, I went to look because I was just kind of curious. And they are, it's powerful and it's immersive because it's just... The sadistic side appeals to me, um, mm. but I can I can see the impact because there's so much. You're adding the the ele you're adding elemental play to it, mm -hmm. and yeah. that takes you know every time we're evolving our craft and we're introducing something new into our styles of play, that really changes and pushes our own limits into something new. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. there is there anything in rope you won't do? Because oh, I think it's good fair. to also talk about limitations from a bottom's perspective. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I haven't yet found something that I wouldn't do. It's not to say that there isn't something out there, but sure. um, yeah, I'm sure there might be something one day that I'm like, mm, no, I won't do that, but... So, like, if you were um, if you were suspended and we were to hire a bunch of carnies with tomatoes and throw them at your face while you're being gagged, you'd be okay with that? Well, that might be one of the things that I discover that I don't want to do. Don't like? Really? Okay. Well, I mean, you're a masochist. It's something I hadn't thought of before. But... Push, I'm pushing the limits here of the discussion. So, say this. We have definitely – we are a different mind, mind frame altogether. Mm. So – you know, nothing against yep. carnies. Love them. You know, you guys are great. So it's not. Yeah, I just don't like tomatoes. Yeah, okay. Well, we can get pies and bananas <laughs> or pineapple or carrots or grapes. There's all sorts of fruits and veg that could be chopped. Umra, for those mm. who don't. Yeah. Sweet potato, for those who don't know. No, I'll think about it. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, in all seriousness, though, have you, are there things you're like, nah, that's a, that's a no for me that I won't do. 
Um, I saw um, something the other day where they had, and mind you, this is an extremely, very, very extreme type of tie. It's not something that many people would normally do, but uh, it's definitely something I would not do. I can say straight up. Okay. Um, it's just hanging by wrists and ankles uh, in an like uh, belly down with your your arms and your yeah, yeah, yeah. legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Some, I know what you mean. Yeah, just that's that's just. I feel it would just be too much strain. I just know I wouldn't do that. Hmm. No, I mean you know, fair enough. Is there? Hmm. Do you have limitations with your partners? You know, if they get into doing some degrad, I don't know if you do involve degradation in your scenes. Are there any limits for you for that? Um, with the right people, degradation is um, something that I. I am open to or I enjoy. Um, it's not something for anyone. Not anyone can do it. Some people need to know how to do it. Um, humiliation, absolutely not. Not in a humiliation, but um, degradation is, is definitely with the right people. Yeah. Is there, a, is there an emotional release for you when you go through that while being bound? It's a very sexual space for me, degradation. Okay. No, fair so enough. So objectification and that sort of thing. So I am not open to that with just anyone it's uh no i don't think most i think don't think most are we because that gets Mm. to i think that has to take us to a different level of intimacy Mm. um erotic you know our erotic connections our sexuality that we all these things got to kind of coexist with that right person yeah Um, it's a power thing as well it's a power exchange mm -hmm. so um i don't just let anybody take that power so yeah, it's definitely something that has to be in a very trusted relationship. Mm. No, I, yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And and mm. I would say that you know we're not you can't you can't do a lot of things with you can't do the same things with one partner you're going to do with somebody else because it's not going to work. Everybody's going to react and act. Mm. Um, it's all going to be completely individual. So mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, no, interesting enough, do you, is there anything you feel that was probably one of the more aspects, more important aspects that you really wanted to kind of elaborate on that you feel that maybe I kind of missed out on touching base on? Um, no, I think you've done a pretty good job covering all those questions. Yeah, it was some really thought-provoking stuff, actually. Well, hmm. I mean, I think it's important because we, as I talked to you about earlier, for the community to start understanding where we're, you know, where we are coming from, what's the appeal for me talking to you being not that I have anything against younger people. When I typically meet people in the T and G range, I don't have a big mm-hmm. favorable opinion of them, but that are working on your craft, that are constantly evolving your hobby, that you are constantly, you know, working on your knots or you're, you're creating a new flogger or you're learning how to handle it, or you're reading a book on anatomy. You're really putting effort into the community and what you are taking away from it. You're starting to give back because mm. you really, you know, when I asked you what you want to do for the future, you really, you know, it's, although it may be, not be a hundred percent concrete, you have a plan, you have a path, you know, I'd love to start, you know, share what I know with others. And that's yeah. what I said to you earlier. That's how we keep a community moving forward. Um, mm. Unfortunately with a lot of people on social media, Twitter, FetLife, Facebook, whatever, wherever people are finding a lot of information or whatever they're finding, it's more about being self-centered when I see this. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I'd see there's some sort of victimhood or this is how you can benefit or pay me $39.95 and I'll get you to the next level of where we are. And, you know, there's 50 levels to go. So I don't really see it as beneficial. And I see a lot of, have you found in your community the people who are experts in their field are as prevalent on social media or have they withdrawn from a lot of social media to kind of focus and even some of my community that have gone back underground and they're like no you all are on your own oh it's interesting you say that yeah i do find the educators in the community um i think it comes down to their social media presence being Perhaps they've got private pages right. um, because they have um, a, a public relations 
that they need to maintain because if they post something that they would post for just friends, you know, and it's not received well by someone in the community, sure. it can have an impact on their their reputation. Sure. So perhaps that's why they are less prevalent on social media. Yeah. Um, but they they definitely are very quiet on their pages from what I follow anyway. Yeah. And what you're hinting at, I'll say it even though you won't, what you're really hinting at is what we talk about can- being offended. You know, somebody is offended because, you know, whatever. And then cancel culture, mm. cancel culture comes out, which is interesting yeah. enough. I'm, I'm going to be talking about cancel culture in the future in regards to our community because we get a lot of people who – I have friends of mine, really good people I know, a wonderful sadist I know out of Canada. Mm. And I've yeah. known them for a couple of years. I follow them. And, you know, they kind of faced outrage because it was a scene they wanted to do. And they wanted it to go, you know, hey, community, we're doing this. We're sharing with you. And it was the feedback that kind of – that and a couple of others just kind of like, all right, screw this. We're shying away from you now. But that's yeah. the whole point why we were drawn to them. Um, I talked about the other day about gatekeeping and why it's actually necessary. Because in the beginning, the reason why we all came to – this community for one reason or another is because somebody had this information, these rules, these protocols that we all wanted to be a part of. And then we get inside of this and we expect everybody to change for us. Well, the world doesn't revolve around people's emotions. It Mm. revolves around a society and how we all intermix together. Um, But yeah, I, I tend to find that a lot of people are tailoring down or tapering down their responses on social media now because they don't want to, me, I don't care. I don't run from cancel culture. I thrive because of it. If they don't like yeah. me, then that's fine. But you're not going to drive me off of anywhere. I'm not scared of a bunch of keyboard commandos. But that's the unfortunate mm. part because when we're all building businesses, um, yeah. we're worried about our outward appearance. You get to where you get to a certain point in life, and you're like, "Well, screw it." If I'm being quite honest, mm. I just say, "Screw it." I don't really care because you're not going to, yeah. you're not going to do anything to me. I'm not out mm. harming people. And I think that's the other thing that people don't understand is, you know, you may get into a scene where you're doing suspension with, you know, you might decide, hey, we're going to involve some heavy impact tonight. Great. I'm really looking forward to it. And then you're sharing these photos and you may set them to private and let's just say there's blood. Well, this aff- starts offending people and mm-hmm. they want to, you know, cancel you from being a demonstrator anymore and, and call your your partner toxic and and unsafe and they start these large campaigns because they're more interested in the drive of a cause that they don't really fully even understand instead of being part of the community and to me those are the people that don't even deserve to be inside of the community in the first place yeah and i'm fine with saying that it doesn't make Mm. me elitist and it doesn't you know and i'd rather be a gatekeeper than anything else because at least we're passing on the information that's correct and there's a lot of people around the world i respect um, you know, meeting you and, and learning about how much you and your partner are really that it's inspiring to be honest with you, not just because I'm like looking down on you or think I'm great because, you know, Oh, great. You know, you're young, so you're learning. I think it is important to kind of emphasize, um, how much effort you're putting in, how much mm-hmm. it means to you, the connection and, and emotional connection you get from it and how yeah. much you want to keep doing it. It is that passion that the people I've spoken to, the people I've had on, that's you can hear that in their voice. And that's for me is my drive because I want to share, I want to bring that back out and give everybody that opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. Because for me, that's what's important. And um, do you find any backlash against anything you've ever done? Um, or um, posted, or has it always been quite positive? Hopefully, I don't think I'm that well known to be able to get um bad backlash. Um, there was some feedback I had on a post um on my my rope bottom profile, which I sent to you to have a look at. Right. Um, where I had included a, a weight and height. Um, oh, you mean preferences? And, as in body height and weight? Sure, um, like for me, like. Sure, preferences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, like my my stats basically, and um, oh, you put it, in it your ir- stats, okay? Yeah, yeah, my stats, and so it was irrelevant, and um, I saw something someone post something, whether it was unrelated to my post or not, I'm not sure, but 
they said, you know, it doesn't matter what size or height you are or um, rope bottoms, anyone can be a rope bottom, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, it's a good point. So I took that on board and I'm like, yeah, that was totally irrelevant. So I removed that. Um, that would probably be the only thing. Sure. I mean, I, I, if it's a learning curve for you and it's worth the, mm. the evolution, I understand. Yeah. But if it's a part of who you are, I would always tell you never change it for somebody else because then you're going to you'll you're going to constantly keep changing for other people, and one day you're going to wake up and not know who you are. Yeah, but yeah, I saw the point. It's like it's kind of irrelevant. Um, weight and height doesn't really impact on. I, growth, and so. I do. Mm. I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand. Um, mm. As much as rope takes time, regardless of the body shape, all it is is just a time process and understanding things, and then. Mm working together and then anybody can be involved. That's what I generally love about the community as a whole. Not, not because I have a dislike of rope, but the fact that we can all get involved in different scenes, regardless of who we are and go through the process. Will the process take maybe a little bit more time or less time for somebody? <clears throat> sure. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, that shouldn't be restrictive on anything else. Mm. Um, well, look, I really, I, I appreciate your time today. <clears throat> Pardon me. Something in my damn throat weather today. Okay. Um, but I do, I appreciate you sitting down with me today and at least the first part of this, cause you know, unfortunately I couldn't get Ashley on today, but I'll follow up with her and mm. I'll do a two-parter on this. I think yeah. it was really important though, to start getting and understanding some of the points from the opposite side of the rigger, you know, to the mm. riggy or to the bottom, or to the bunny, or to the model, or to whatever other terminology we will inevitably keep creating for all mm. the things that we do um, as language yeah. evolves. Um, do you do you have any final points that you may want to kind of share with everybody? Yeah. Please. Absolutely. Um, I do want to just make it clear that I think for a lot of new rope bottoms, they look at rope and they see all these fantastical um suspensions and weird positions and like people with their feet on their head and it doesn't have to be that way though uh, a rope bottom you don't have to be a circus performer to be able to do rope and to be a rope bottom you can do it very simply you don't need a fancy partner who's really really skilled as long as they're doing things safely and they've done classes to know safety, right? you can just do it at home and keep it simple. You I can already hear people going, oh my God, she's telling people to practice with anyone. I know. I can, I'm can. i a good judge of character. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. I understand what you're saying. And I think it's, it is yeah. valuable. Because we all have to, we have to start somewhere. Novices yeah, well, have to begin somewhere. But you don't have to end somewhere either. You know, no. there's no, there's no uh, point that you have to reach. You can just keep it just as floor rope. You never have to suspend. You never have to get into a weird position. You can always just do gentle rope. You don't need to be a masochist. There's no particular thing you have to do to be a rope bottom. And I just want new people to know that so that they don't aspire to unrealistic things which then might put them off even starting from the beginning right no so, I, th I think that's a really valuable point you know mm, to and dive in get yourself going mm. pick up some rope and start you know going from there well look i'll let with you safety. yes with safety <laughs> no 100 percent. you know we have to calculate as much risk um mm. as we can and go from there um yeah. there was a scene that i just in some sense, I'm, I won't go on because I'm going to save it for an episode, but in the larger sense that took six, over six weeks to build and its culmination mm. was yeah, a couple of days ago. And mm -hmm. But it is, it's putting that time in and you, you've got to start and then you, you know, you know, you work and, and hone that part. I don't like to say perfect because you're always evolving and you work mm -hmm. on that part, you get that part right. And then you move to the next part and you keep working on that yeah. part. And then you put those two parts, then you, you just keep working the line until yeah. you, the, as your confidence grows. But it is important to get out there, start doing your time. You know, even if you're starting yourself, understanding how to make knots. You know, I was in the yeah. Navy. That was part of our deal, learning all the different mm -hmm. knots that are out there. So, which is, I always get a lot of feedback and crap about, you know, you were Navy. Why the hell don't you want to be a rope tire? Because I'm like, I don't like it. It takes too damn long. <laughs> 
I didn't like tying up boats. I'm not going to like tying up people. It's not, you know, give me handcuffs and some duct tape. I'm fine. So, yeah, no, you know. I got a lot of time for sadists, even if yeah. they have no time for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hey, I can get so much more done and so much more pain. But again, yeah. it is. It's as much as I joke and I give the rogue community a lot of grief. I do have a lot of respect. I, I gained a lot more a couple of weeks ago. I've gained a lot more mm. today. Um, mm. And so I, I do. I really appreciate that. So, mm. well, look, again, I'll let you get through to the rest of your day. Thank you so much, uh, Bedge, for, for coming on and giving this little bit of a perspective and look into your world from your side. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Well, until next time, everybody, be safe and stay kinky.